Good morning, Grace Church, Medina East Campus. How's everybody doing this morning? It was great to be here with you. My name is Clark, and I help lead our young adult ministry called New Perspective here at uh, Grace Medina's campus. I also help oversee our life groups and biblical community with Pastor Tony. If I've never met you before, I would love to meet you and connect with you out in our cafe. But uh, anybody watch the Ohio State game last night? Anybody? Another win for Ohio State? That's pretty awesome. Anyway, I didn't get to watch it, but... It's great to be here with you folks. Uh, If you or someone that you invited is here for the first time, um, thanks for being here. Glad you're here. As you can tell, we have been in a series called Amos, The Dangerous Drift from the Heart of God. And so if you're just now locking in with us, um, I would encourage you to get caught up with the past uh, week's sermons. We've been in this series for uh, six weeks. This is our seventh week, and so I'm really excited to uh, just have the opportunity to uh, continue this conversation with you. So... Um, But yeah, a little bit about me. I've been on staff since 2013, and like I said, I I love being able to serve alongside of Pastor Tony and learning from him and just being a part of such an awesome staff. And uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's still news or not, but I I got married a couple months ago, so getting used to that, and that's been a really awesome thing. And yeah, yeah, with God, all things are possible, right? So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's great just learning from everybody on staff, and uh, I, just lo- I just love getting to know um, all of you. And so, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to being able to serve you in this way today. So, so as we continue this conversation, uh, Amos, the dangerous drift from the heart of God, uh, like I said, we've been uh, looking at this uh, book. It's one of the Old Testament minor prophets. And uh, when we first started this series, uh, we just kind of like laid the foundation, like, like why even study uh, this book of the Bible, uh, this book? Old Testament minor prophet, uh, because as we look at it, we can see that, you know, there, there's a distance in time and language and culture, and uh, it's, it's a, we've been saying that it's really kind of a jolting and jarring message as, as you're confronted with the, with the pages of the book of Amos, you know, a lot of it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense, and uh, what we said is this uh, theme, this dangerous drift from the heart of God as we can look at the, the people of God, the Israelites uh, in this Old Testament book of the Bible, we can see that um, some reoccurring themes of, of kind of drifting from God's heart in terms of uh, the neglecting of, of the, uh, you know, the, the poor and the marginalized and the disenfranchised people, uh, we could see uh, the injustice uh, that is taking place um, in this season of, uh, for Israel. They're in a season of uh, prosperity and wealth and uh, what we see is that they're, they're drifting from God's heart in terms of, of caring for the poor and for the needy and for the oppressed. And so as we look at this culture um, in the book of Amos, in Amos's day, we can kind of make connections to our 21st century culture today and say that uh, we live in a parallel culture. We can easily drift from the heart of God in these ways, and we can kind of forget um, different, different uh, things that really uh, are on the heart of God. And so we've been talking about seven undercurrents of spiritual drift is the way we've kind of been structuring this series. So if you're just now jumping in, just to give you a quick recap, uh, so far we've talked about uh, the spiritual drift of domesticating God. Another week we talked about this idea of blessing blockage. Another week we talked about the spiritual drift of corrupting justice. Another week we talked about this idea of uh, forgetting grace. And then last week, we talked about another spiritual drift, or undercurrent of spiritual drift, called building offline. And like I said, if you missed any of these conversations, I'd really encourage you to go online to our website or go to our uh, podcast, and you could subscribe and, and get all, all caught up with that. But the way I want to structure our time together today is I want to talk about another undercurrent of spiritual drift called selective hearing. 
selective hearing. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to go with me to Amos chapter 7. And you can find that on page 641 in those black Bibles in the chairs that you're sitting in. And we always like to say, uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can go ahead, take one of ours. Uh, we would love to make that a gift from us to you. I think it's really important for you to own your own copy of God's Word. And if you're more of a digital person, you'd rather just use your phone, you can go to the App Store or Play Store and search uh, Grace Church 30. And you can get our uh, Grace Church app, and that's for free, and that's for you. And you can get to today's passage of study that way. As well. So, however, you ever get there, um, this is going to be where we're camping out today. So, before we dive in, I just want to pray for us, ask God to lead us and guide us in our time together. Sound good? Awesome. Well, God, I just want to say thank you for an opportunity to open up your word. And, uh, you know, Lord, I know that the book of Amos is, again, Lord, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those books in your word that, you know, when we're confronted with it, um, kind of a lot of emotions run through us, God. We're, we're uh, you know, kind of confused and kind of, um, you know, it, it makes us feel a whole manner of emotions. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, as we open up this passage today, Lord, that you would help us to be open to the possibility that, that you, you want to communicate something to your people and that, uh, you know, what is being said is... Uh, is very applicable, very relevant for us today in the culture we live in, Lord. Um, pray for each and every individual here this morning, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you today, God. In your name I pray, amen. Well, all right, I want to get into this passage with you, uh, but before that, I just want to share a quick story uh, with everybody. So um, the topic for today's sermon is selective hearing. And uh, even when I say that, I just, I can't help but to laugh a little bit because this is one of those topics that I feel like I'm qualified to talk about because I have, I feel like I've been diagnosed with selective hearing my whole life. I don't know about you, if you can identify with that, but I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, just watching cartoons, Saturday morning, listen to my mom and dad talk to me, only listening to the things that I feel like is beneficial for me to hear. And I don't know what it is about selective hearing, but I think the reason why we have it is, is exactly that, that we, we only want to hear the things that are beneficial to us, what we think is beneficial to us, right? And we just kind of like want to tune out the things that we don't really want to hear. And see, so we can identify with this idea of selective hearing. And, and I really think that the passage we're going to look at today, we're going we're to see a pretty massive case of selective hearing. Um, but I, but I want to encourage you that if, you're, if you would consider yourself a part of that camp that has selective hearing, I just want to encourage you because, because I got it too. In fact, I want to share a quick story with you, uh, again, about one of, the, one of the conversations I had with my wife a, a couple weeks ago, in fact, I think is a really strong uh, case for selective hearing. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. So we were in the car uh, driving. I was driving. And uh, she was telling me about our, our Friday night, our plans. I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday. And so... Uh, she likes to plan ahead. She's a really good planner. And so as she's telling me about what our plans are going to be uh, for Friday night, um, you know, I'm driving and I'm really, you know, I'm really focused on, uh, you know, driving. You know, as Pastor Tony said in a sermon a while back, that, you know, men think in waffle squares, right? And women tend to think like spaghetti. They're just like, they can plan all over. And so I can only handle, I only have the bandwidth for so much, right? Anyway, I'm driving the car and, uh, you know, she's, Tell me about, tell me about this, uh, these plans that we have. And to the best of my ability, I want to try to reconstruct that conversation and kind of try to walk you through kind of how my selective hearing comes into play with that. Cool? So this is going to be my wife talking to me about our plans. So here's what she said. Hey, babe, 
don't forget this Friday, we're going to go to the bank, we're going to set up an account together, and then we're going to the store. Then later that night, we're going to meet my parents for dinner. Sound good? And so as she's saying this, the sound waves are traveling through the air, and they're getting to my ear. And as I'm processing through all of this, going to the bank and going to the store, getting dinner, what's the one thing that I think of when she says, sound good? What do I reply back with? Well, I'll show you. Ready? Dinner. All right. Can, any guy, can I get an amen from any guy out there? You can probably relate to that. So, so selective hearing, right? And then, and then, of course, when she says, sound good, of course, my response is, sounds good. And I'm like, dinner, yeah, right? All of these things, like the, the bank, the store, dinner is the one thing that I walk away with. Why do I share that with you? I share that with you because we're talking about this idea of selective hearing. We see this relationally. We see this. Maybe there's somebody, that, a face or a name that's popping up in your head right now as we're talking about this, and you're like, I know somebody for sure that has selective hearing. He has selective hearing. She has selective hearing. Maybe you have selective hearing. Who knows? <laughs> but... I really think the bottom line is this, that this, this can we just all agree that this is, this is a thing, you know? And, and we, we can identify with this a little bit. Well, I think, I think that if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you can identify with this, that sometimes we can, we can kind of, you know, this is kind of comical, it's a little bit funny, but there's, there's a tragic side to it, too, because people want to be heard, and uh, more importantly, if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants to be heard, and God wants us to listen to his word. And so I think if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you can identify with the fact that, you know, sometimes we can approach the word of God, and we just want to hear the things that we want to hear. We just want to hear the things that we think is beneficial to us, the stuff that makes us feel good. And sometimes we have the natural proclivity to just push aside the things that we don't want to hear. Well, that's what we're going to find in today's passage, because we're going to see that there's a character in today's passage of study that somebody had selective hearing and we're going to draw some applications out of that. So selective hearing, that's where we're going. So Amos chapter 7, we're going to be breaking in at verse 10. And it says this, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. So let me just pause and explain this a little bit. So I think it's important for us to notice uh, this character right here, Amaziah. So who is this guy? Why is it important for us to know about him this morning? Well, Amaziah was one of these uh, priests that was appointed by King Jeroboam. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, gives us kind of a window into the situation uh, during this time, that Jeroboam appointed these uh, hired priests. And he, he didn't really go about it the way that God would have him go about that. They, he wasn't a Levitical priest. He was just like, a, hey, you look like you could be a priest. Do you want to be a priest? And he hired him to be a priest. And he had him uh, at, at stationed at these, uh, there was a place in Bethel and there was a place in Dan. This would have been in Bethel in the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, he had these golden calves that were set up for Israel uh, to worship. Instead of going down to Jerusalem, they would just stay right there in Bethel. But they would worship these golden calves. And so Amaziah was, was one of these false priests. And he was, he was like a, a spiritual authority in, in these people's lives. I and mean, he was causing Israel uh, to worship these golden calves, which would have led them into sin and would have been really bad news. And so anyway, that's who he is. It's important to know that because when you see the way that Amaziah and Amos interact with one another, it all starts to make sense. So anyway, it says, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. 
So I want you to notice this word bear right here. It says the land cannot bear all his words. If you pull that back into the original language, it actually this word bear can, can also mean hold or contain or endure. So again, if you think about this idea of selective hearing again, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, my conversation with my wife. It's almost like my, my mind can only contain and endure certain words, right? And, and sometimes that, that's how selective hearing kind of works, right? We, we like to pretend or think that, that we can only hold, contain, or endure certain words. And, and that's exactly what's happening here with, with the priest uh, Amaziah in this passage. Notice what happens next. It says, for this is what Amos is saying. So this message, this is the message that's being sent to King Jeroboam. And he says, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land, which historically speaking is exactly what happened. uh, The dynasty of Jeroboam came to an end and the Assyrians invaded and led the Israelites into captivity. He also says this, Amaziah said to Amos, so Amaziah, this false priest, he interrupts Amos in the midst of his prophesying and his, his, his preaching. And notice what he says. He says, get out, you seer, which, which seer would have been another word for prophet. And so he thinks that Amos is a prophet. He thinks that, which God sent him, so technically he kind of is, but he thinks he's like a professional prophet. He thinks he's like a hired prophet, the same way Amos, or Amaziah was a hired priest at Bethel, which will come to play here in a little bit. Uh, go back to the land of Judah, he says. So he says, go back down south. We don't like that kind of preaching around here, Amos. You can preach that way in Judah, but, but, but here in Bethel, we don't do that kind of stuff. He says, go back down to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, do your prophesying there. Once again, he's assuming that, that Amos is a hired prophet. And he says, don't prophesy at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. I love the way that Amos responds to Amaziah here. I want you to notice what he says. This is so good. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. That was a shepherd. He says, I never went to Bible college. I never went to seminary. He's like, you know what my livelihood is? I'm a farmer. You know, I take care of sycamore fig trees. He's like, you know, I was, I was a shepherd. I took care of sycamore trees. But the Lord, he took me from tending the flock. He said to be go, prophesy to my people Israel. And I want you to notice, it says my people. I mean, think about it. In the midst of Israel's prosperity and their wealth and, and their, their, all their injustice and forgetting the poor and the oppressed and the needy, God still calls Israel my people. And I think it's fascinating because Amos looks at Amaziah and he says, I'm here because God loves you. I'm here because God cares. I'm here because God told me to go. And so I embrace, I embrace that because it was the word of God. And, you know, I think it's fascinating, you know, when we look at passages like this, I don't know about you, but if, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe when you have, you know, your quiet time or devotion, whatever you want to call it, maybe for you, if you're anything like me, sometimes I, I try to ask myself, what characters do I most lean towards the most? And I got to be honest, I wish I could say I was more like Amos, but if I'm just being honest, sometimes I feel a lot like Amaziah. Sometimes I feel like instead of embracing the word, sometimes I just want to drive it out. If it's something I don't want to hear from God, my selective hearing starts to kick in a little bit. And I'm just like, "Eh, I don't really want to hear that right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting because if you think about it, 
Sometimes we can do this. Sometimes there are certain passages and verses, verses that we really cling to a lot, that, that we really enjoy. And I think, you know, the Word of God is, is one of the most encouraging things that we could ever read and expose ourselves to, I believe. Sometimes I think we can neglect other parts, though. Let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about here. So selective hearing. Sometimes we can look at passages of Scripture, like Luke 15, right? Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is hopefully a passage that you're a little bit familiar with. Um, a parable of the prodigal son. We look at that and we're like, yeah, this is a story about, about a guy who had his father's inheritance. He squandered it and, and then he, you know, lived, you know, wild living, came back. His dad embraced him and accepted him with open arms, with love. And we look at that we're like, that's a picture of God's radical grace. It's because it is. That's the gospel. And, and, and we look at that. We look at passages, verses like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And we're like, yeah, that's the gospel, right? I mean, that's, that's the good news of Jesus. We'll look at passages like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And we look at that and we're like, yeah, that's right, God, you got plans for me. We, sometimes we'll, we'll neglect to, to read the, the whole book of Jeremiah, though, where, where it's like God called the Israelites not Christians in North America, right, to, to live in exile for 70 years, right? 4,600 Israelites to live in exile for 70 years. We'll forget that part, but we'll be like, yeah, God, you got plans for me. That's right. That's right. I'm going to put that on my refrigerator and embroider that on a pillow. You see, we look at verses like John chapter 8, you know, verse 7, where Jesus says, let any of you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone at her, the woman caught in adultery, right? And we look at that and we're like, that's right, Jesus. You, you know, this, she messed up and, and you're helping her and Jesus, that's what you do for me. I mess up and, and then you help me, right? And then God stands up for us in the midst of our sin and, and messing up and we look at that and we're like, yeah, that's right. Give me more of that. But see, I think the, the dangerous drift from, from God's heart in that, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think our selective hearing could cause us to really, we really want to bend our ear when certain verses and passages like this, we, we tend to tune in a lot. But then there's other passages and other verses in the scriptures that, that we'll look at. And uh, again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, and I know, I know that not everybody is, but, but if you are somebody that, that claims to follow Christ, you know, these, these are certain passages that we tend to tune out on. Like Romans 13, 14, right? Make no provision for the flesh, right? Ouch, God, is that really for me? Maybe you can take that to somewhere else. That's, that's, not, the kind of, that's not the kind of preaching I like in my quiet time, God. Maybe you could take that to someone else's Bible study, right? I mean, so we wouldn't actually say that, but maybe in our minds and in our hearts, we feel like that sometimes. Like, like really, God, you gotta talk to me about my sexual thoughts, really? Sometimes we'll look at verses like Isaiah 64, 6, and we'll read them, you know, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Look at that, we're like, I don't really want to hear that, God. You know, you could, you could take that to somebody else. I want to, I want to hear more. I want to live in this section right here. I need, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, you got plans for me. I don't, I don't want to hear anything about me not being awesome, right? We'll look at certain verses, passages of Scripture Romans 3.23, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We look at that and we're like, oh man, really? Is that, is that really what I want to read right now? I think I want to go back to John chapter 8, you know? Jesus, I want the Jesus that stands up for me in the midst of me messing up in my life, right? I don't really want to talk about the idea that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We'll look at verses like Amos chapter 4 verse 1, right? Talked about this. Hear this word. 
you cows of Bashan, right? We'll look at that and we're like, man, what's that all about, right? Now, Israel, you know, they failed to, to see the injustice that was happening and the people that were being oppressed and not cared for. And we look at that stuff and, and sometimes we're neglect, we're, 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 our proclivity is to tune out and to think, ah, that just, that's just, does, that just doesn't apply to me. You know, I think John 3.16, that's where I want to live. I, I don't want to live over here so much. You think, I think the danger with that, though, again, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think the danger with that is, is that we fail, we fail to see God, the whole picture of who God is. And we talked about this in the previous weeks of how sometimes we can elevate certain attributes of God. We can elevate you know, the grace of God and the mercy of God and the, and the love of God and the acceptance of God, but we'll fail to see that God is also a God of wrath and a God that is hol- his holiness and his, he is a God of just. And we, and we get kind of a distorted view of who God is. I think the danger of that is that we can, we, we, you know, I, I know for me, sometimes I'm tempted to just live over here, and I totally forget about what's over here, which, by the way, maybe you grew up in an environment where all you heard was that, right? And so maybe you're like, yeah, that's why I like that, but I think it's just as much as a danger. We, we just need the whole, the whole picture of who God is, his, his mercy, his love, his acceptance, his holiness, and his wrath, and we get the whole picture instead of being tempted to approach the scriptures with selective hearing. Sometimes I think that we can do that. I think if we look at the passage of scripture of today, we can see the difference between Amaziah and Amos, and we can kind of relate to them and kind of take an inventory of ourselves. If you are a follower of Jesus, we look at this, we could see Amaziah and the way that Amos approached the word of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So I call this Amaziah-like tendencies. So the first question, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'd want to ask myself is this. Do I find myself resisting or embracing the word of God? Do I find myself resisting or embracing the word of God? Right? Let me show you what I mean. In the passage we looked at, let's look at Amaziah now. Amaziah said to Amos, get out, you seer. Go back. It's the land of Judah, right? Do I find myself doing that sometimes, right? Like, I'm not actually telling God, like, go back to Judah, but maybe in my heart or in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I don't really want to, I don't, I don't really have the, you know, I can't really endure or contain the words that are being said right now, you know? And my selective hearing, I want to choose not to hear what you're telling me. I want to choose to only want to hear the things that I feel like are beneficial to me, the things that make me feel good inside, Right? Look at what Amos did, though. The Lord took me from tending the flock, said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. And what did Amos do? Amos had a predetermined yes. He says, whatever the word of God tells me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. He didn't say, you know what? I'm kind of taking, I, got, I kind of got this business with these sycamore fig trees. I don't really have the time. I don't really have the gas money to make it up to the northern kingdom today. I think I'm just gonna do this, God. I don't really, go somewhere else, God. Ask somebody else. He didn't do that, though. He went. He said, God loves me. God loves his people, Israel. I'm going to go do that. That's what the word of God told me to do. That's what I'm going to do. And he was obedient. And so I think the first question we have to ask is, do I find myself resisting or embracing the word of God? I think it's a question worth asking. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're anything like me, if you're tempted to live in the category where you just want to hear all the things you want to hear, sometimes this could be a good question for us. I think another question we've got to ask ourselves is this. Do I find myself hurting the flock 
or hurting the flock. And I intended to make that a little bit cheesy. Hurting or hurting. So if you think about it, our selective hearing, it's one thing because it really affects us. It could short-circuit our relationship with the Lord. If you're a follower of Christ, I know this, you know this. But it can also affect other people too. If we find ourselves in a place of spiritual authority, if we're investing into somebody, I'm not just talking about pastors and life group leaders, but if you're even discipling somebody or if you're a parent, you have spiritual authority in someone's life, that's exactly what Amaziah, the priest, he was in a place of spiritual authority. And instead of leading people to greener pastures, he was leading people into sin. He was leading people away from the one true God of the Bible. I don't know about you, but when I look at passages like this, it says, don't prophesy at Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary, the temple of the kingdom. Notice what he says there. This is the king's sanctuary. He is not talking about the God of the Bible right here, though. Who's he talking about? He's talking about King Jeroboam. He says, this is the king's sanctuary. He says, we created our own religion, right? With these golden calves that are being worshipped, right? And he's like, we like what we have going on here, right? We don't want anybody to mess with that. We feel good about what we're doing. Israel's prosperous. We're wealthy. Everything's great in life. Don't mess with that. This really isn't the time for a prophet to, to come and preach judgment on us. We like the way things are going. You know, I don't know about you, but, but, but as, as your ministry leader, like, this kind, of stu- this kind of passage scares me, and I think it should. I think it should. If, if we're in a place of spiritual authority in someone's life, whether it's a life group leader or, or someone that's discipling another person, I think, I think we really need to, to press our minds down on stuff like this because God really cares about the souls of people. And God was not pleased. I mean, it broke God's heart to see the people of Israel worshiping, making sacrifices to these golden calves. And I'm sure it broke the heart of Amos, too. And so the question is, you know, are, 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 we, are we hurting people? Are we shepherding people to greener pastures? Or are we afraid to say the things that, that people need to hear sometimes, even if we know we're going to get backlash? Amaziah, if, if, he, was, if he was a spiritual priest that, that really was looking out for the souls of people, he might have he said something to, to Jeroboam, the King Jeroboam, and said, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lead people to do that. And so I think that, you know, without being heavy-handed about it, you know, I think we need to, to, to kind of be bold sometimes as followers of Christ and say, man, I love, the, I love the person that I'm leading so much that I'm willing to do something that people may not be a fan of, right? And again, I think, I think it's a healthy conviction that, that we could have if you're in a place of spiritual authority in someone's life. So you might be thinking, I don't know where I land on this. I think the question we gotta ask ourselves, it's kind of a tongue twister, is am I Amaziah or am I Amos? Am I Amaziah or am I Amos? And like I said, I wish that I could say that every single day I'm Amos, but if I'm being real honest, sometimes I'm tempted to feel more like Sometimes I'm tempted to, to have some Amaziah tendencies, right? Sometimes I'm tens- tempted to, to resist the word of God instead of embracing it in my life. Sometimes I'm tempted to turn my selective hearing on and just be like, you know what? I really like this verse. I really like this passage. But this one, you could take it somewhere else. So I'm not really interested in hearing that. That doesn't, make, that doesn't make me feel like it's beneficial or like it makes me feel good inside, right? And sometimes we can be we don't have a thick enough spine to tell somebody like in love, in grace and truth, prayerfully and carefully like, hey, I love you and what we're doing, this is honoring to God. I think it's a question worth asking. 
Maybe for some of you, you're in a place where you're resisting the word of God. If you're a follower of Christ, you might feel like that sometimes. Selective hearing, it could be really broad. Sometimes it could be, it could show up other ways in our life. If you're a follower of Christ, maybe sometimes it looks like uh, resisting the, the convictions from the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes we, we gotta be real careful about feelings, right? But I think if, if you have a burden on your heart, right, maybe, maybe it's carving out time in the calendar to, to reach out to people, uh, to hang out with your neighbor, somebody who doesn't know the gospel, doesn't know Jesus, and there's a conviction on your heart, and you bounce that off a couple other people that follow Christ, and you know, like, man, and this is something I feel like really is a burden for God's heart. I think this is something God really wants me to do. It's easy to resist that sometimes. Sometimes it's easy to resist the convictions of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, I'm not gonna forgive that person. Or you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reach out to that person. I got, I got too much stuff going on. And it's just easier to come home and pull in the garage, put the, put the garage door down go inside, right? Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's you know, resisting the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe it's getting feedback, Maybe if you're in biblical community, you're in a life group or you're in some sort of Bible study and you have somebody that, that, that really knows you well, right, that, that really loves you and has pure motives and uh, has, has been able to walk with you um, and your walk with Jesus, and maybe they say something to you, uh, you know, they see something in an area of your life and, 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 and they're looking out for you, they're trying to help you grow, but, you know, maybe you think, I don't really want to hear that. I don't know. Sometimes it's easy to resist. You know, not that that's the word of God, but Amos was one of God's people too. You know, sometimes we resist God's people, the words that God's people say. You know, I'm not saying they're always right, but I think it's worth worth taking in what people have to tell us. Sometimes I know I've been there, found myself in places where I'd resist getting feedback from people, and a week later, find myself thanking them for it. That hey, you were right, I was wrong. I should have listened. Sometimes we can resist the word of God. Sometimes we can resist convictions of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can resist getting feedback from a brother or sister in Christ. Selective hearing can, can be so broad. You know, when I think about that conversation with my wife, though, you know, like, eh, I don't really want to think about going to the bank or the store. I really want to think about dinner, right? We have to identify what is that for us, you know? What, what is our trip to the bank, you know? What, what is our trip to the store, and what does our dinner time look like, right? What are we really excited about? We take an inventory of that in our life. We could see the things that, what we feel like is beneficial to us and maybe look at the things that we think that we don't want to hear, but it might be the things that we really need to hear, whether it be the word of God, convictions from the Holy Spirit, or the body of Christ. You know, reading the word of God makes you a better listener, too. It's amazing. You know, me being a married guy, a newly married man, I'm like, how do I do that? How do I do that, God? Well, the word of God can help me with that. And I can choose to resist that or embrace that, what the Bible has to say about being a godly husband. And that's totally on me. I open up the word of God and I, I'm confronted with scripture passages that talk about what husbands are ought, ought to be under God. Sometimes I'm like, that's a tall order, God. <laughs> but God can help you through that. Sometimes if, you know, if, if you're a teenager, a college student, you're single, and you think to yourself, man, I want to find somebody that loves me, that I can love back, you know, that could start a life together. Maybe you find yourself, for some of you, you might be sinking into, into a depression, you know, like, man, I'm tired of being single. When am I going to find my other, my other half, you know? Well, the word of God is for you too. And if we open up the word of God and 
we're confronted with certain passages of scripture that, that God may have for people that are in that season of life. This is one of the greatest humanitarian crises right now. If you're single, God may be calling you to, to be on mission in that way, you know? But we can choose to resist the word of God or we can choose to embrace the word of God. You might be in a season of life where you're a parent. And I don't know anything about parenting, but I'll tell you what, I think a lot of people sometimes, sometimes they feel like they're really killing it with the parenting thing and sometimes people, you could tell they just want to pull their hair out, you know, because it's stressful, it's hard. And uh, again, there's passages of scripture for that. There's, you know, the word of God is for you too. And we could choose to resist that or to embrace that in our lives. Um, maybe for some of you, you're an empty nester, right? You sent your kids off to college. What's next? Well, the word of God is for you too. You could, you could, there's passages where, where, where we could, you know, maybe not in your own timetable, but God's timetable, and you can search, sift through the pages of scripture, and maybe God can kind of convict your heart and what your next step is. And I think it would be a, a huge disservice to not mention this, that, uh, you know, maybe for some of you, you're investigating Jesus, and you're just like, I don't really know where I land with all this. You know, we're talking about the word of God, resisting the word of God, embracing the word of God, right? Convictions of the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't really know what all that means, you know? I just, somebody just dragged me here this morning. <laughs> and maybe you're here and you're just like, I don't really know what to think about all this. I just want to encourage you that the word of God is for everybody. The word of God is for you too. And I just want to encourage you with the fact that, you know, the Bible tells us that, that God gave us the word, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus Christ God in the flesh, the word made flesh, dwelt among us, who lived a life that we couldn't live, died a death that we could not die, and he rose from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death. And he's given us the opportunity to live life to the fullest. God sent his one and only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so if you're here investigating Jesus, and you're not really sure where you land with all this stuff, maybe today is the day that you put a stake in the ground, and you can say yes to Jesus. And you could start your journey. It all starts there. The gospel is not the ABCs. It's the A through Z. It's everything. A lot of the stuff we're talking about is, is, is very applicable to people who are already in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I would say the starting point, and not even really the starting point, but really the, the A through Z is the relationship with Jesus. We can trust that God has pure motives because he sent his one and only son to die for us. He gave us the word the, the, the word of God text, and he gave us the word of God in the flesh as well, through, G, through the person of Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you with that. Maybe today is the day that you say yes to Jesus, and if you have any questions about that, our staff would love to talk to you about what that could look like in your life, and we would love to walk with you and journey with you in that way. I want to ask the band to come up now, and as they get settled in, I just want you to imagine with me if, if we were able to, if you're a follower of Jesus, if we were able to, to abandon the lie, you know, that the word of God was, was optional or irrelevant, right? What if we were to abandon that lie? What if we actually said, hey, God has a voice, and when we open up the word of God, the mouth of God opens, and God has something to tell us. Through all stages and ages of life, God has a word. He doesn't just have a word for you. He has the word and he sent the word in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to give his life, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. If we stop pretending that God did not have a voice, 
as if when the Bible opened, God's mouth didn't open to us, right? If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, the word of God is not for your restriction. It's for your protection. Just like God loved the Israelites, God loves you, God loves me, God loves all of us. And he has something for us in mind. He wants us to mature and walk faithfully with him. And he wants something for us. So let me pray for us. Well, God, I know that this whole selective hearing thing, man, this is something I really resonate with. And God, I know I'm so tempted to only want to hear the things that I think are beneficial to me, Lord, the things that make me feel good. But I'm tempted to ignore the things that that I feel like I don't need to hear, God. Lord, help us if we're followers of Jesus to, to see the holistic view of who you are, God, your, your love and your acceptance and your holiness and your wrath, God. Lord, help us to see that, that you sent your prophet Amos to give a message of judgment, Lord, not in spite of your love, but because of your love. Because if you love us, you care us enough to tell us the things, not that we want to hear, but the things that we need to hear. And God, if we're just searching, we're investigating you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that we could be open to the possibility that we can trust your motives because you came to give us life to the full. You came not to condemn us, but to save us. Lord, you know everything about us. You knit us together in our mother's womb, your word says. You know, every, you know every hair on our head. And so, Lord, I pray that we could just be open to the possibility that you want what's best for us. You're a good father, and you love your people, and you want to lead us into greener pastures. Lord, I pray that as we worship and sing the song together, God, that we could, we could experience your love and we could press our minds down on what it means to, to not have selective hearing and to embrace you in your word and not to resist it. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.